Welcome to Beautiful Work, Beautiful Life, the podcast. I'm Laurel Holland, and you'll be joining me with my co-hosts and guests as we dive into how doing your inner work, or the beautiful work, is the amazingly effective pathway to creating the life of your dreams. We hope you discover your passions, your purpose, and your fulfillment, because when you change, the world changes. And when you do your inner work or the beautiful work, you make the world a more beautiful place for all of us. Welcome back to Beautiful Work, Beautiful Life, the podcast. I'm here with a really great friend of mine today, and I'm so excited that we get to talk to you together and bring you into our conversation because Pixie and I, to me, have the best conversations about this beautiful work. So I'm welcoming Pixie today. Hi, Pixie. How are you? Hi, Laurel. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so glad you're here with me because... I always feel like after we've had our conversations that we have uncovered some jewel or some gem and I always feel like it's so helpful, you know, and it could be so helpful for people. So here we are on the podcast and we're actually going to send it out to the world and hopefully we will help some people with our conversation. Yeah, I always feel so energized. I always leave your house and just have an extra skip in my beat. Yeah, yeah, I feel that way too. And I was, uh, I feel like now the Zoom room is like uh, a room in my house, you know, it's like, oh, here we are together in, in my I Zoom know. room in my house, right? It's like, it's such a different world. So anyway, our topic today for our listeners is codependency. And the reason that we're starting here, Pixie and I, is because we're both consider ourselves recovering codependence and um, have our, had our own, you know, family experiences of, of uh, you know, having that be part of how we grew into the world. And so we're going to dig into that topic today. And I'm really looking forward to it, Pixie, because I think that codependency, like narcissism and OCD and some of the other psychological terms and cultural terms that we toss around, we kind of use them lightly. And yet, you know, for many of us who really have struggled with some of these things we're talking about, they're not so light. They're not always so light. So um, to shed some light on it for people and to help them understand it a little bit better and get them some tools to work with, I think is, um, will be really hopefully. Yeah, I, I so agree. I, um, I, I remember sitting in hair salons and, um, you know, just casual places and using the word loosely, you know, like almost interchangeably with enabler or whatever. And, uh, what I've ended up learning is it's, it's, it's a serious debilitating disease, yeah. a lifelong process that, uh, is, uh, weighs heavily on somebody's life much more than a casual conversation in a, in a hair salon. So <laughs> I, I'm glad uh, that the term has become more, um, open in, out there. And also, uh, I think it's being taken seriously and as, as it should be. Mm -hmm. I, I wish I had about 20 extra years where I had kind of taken it seriously, but, um, yeah. you know, it is what it is and it's the perfect timing. So, yeah. Yeah. So Pixie, let's maybe start with, um, 
our own definitions of, well, actually, you know what, let's start with a little bit about our stories. So maybe um, when did you like first realize that codependency was some part of your life experience, you know? Um, yeah, so when did, when did I label it? Um, it's been three to four years ago when, when I actually labeled it and cried out in pain, uh, admitted to myself and admitted to the world that I was a codependent. Um, I knew something was wrong with me. I knew something was wrong with my relationships. Um, I could see them increasingly self-destruct. Um, I didn't have the tools or the knowledge to be able to kind of put something around it. I just knew that I was loosely falling apart. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I've been in and out of counseling since, you know, the age of 20. Yeah. Uh, a long time. And, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I, I can't help but believe that in today's world, a counselor would be able to kind of zero in on this quicker. Yeah, I think because uh, so, yeah. I, I think we've grown a lot in this in this um, yeah. and disease. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for me, the actual self awareness, self proclamation was about four years ago. Yeah, yeah, and so for me, it was it was so much earlier, and yet um, I like you, you know the idea of it being a constant work in progress still remains for me. So, you know, for me, I think the term, I first heard the term when I was around 30 or maybe 31 and I was in adult child of alcoholics meetings. And so that's when I heard the term codependent and started learning some of the things around codependency, you know, like I, I realized that I could label myself that, but I don't think I really like, um, understood or could, could really get into it in a bigger way, probably, probably for quite a few years as until I started to like be able to identify my behaviors that were codependent behaviors. And that really helped me, you know, see how, how debilitating it could be and how much it was limiting my life. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's some classic codependent behaviors, um, you know, perfectionism, people pleasing, uh, con control, covert, over, um, uh, you know, in one, one of these on itself, on its own in, in a, you know, normal magnitude is fine. But, uh, when you're somebody like me that has a, an extreme, um, need for perfectionism, people pleasing and control, um, it adds up together, uh, to form a, a pretty, well, to, to wreck your life. You know, I mean, you know, people ask me all the time. So, you know, what is it? Yeah. What is, yeah. is codependency? And, yeah. and at first I, I just kind of looked at them with glazed eyes, like, oh my gosh, you know, there's books, there's podcasts, there's, you know, check out YouTube, <laughs> you know, there you'll learn everything you can. And, and um, I found it difficult to kind of uh, pare it down, but yeah. uh, it's funny as you get a true understanding of something, you are able to communicate it simply. And um, I mean, basically, uh, even though it's overwhelming and confusing, I would dare to just say that 
Codependency is living a life where you are always doing more than your share. Yeah. You're over-functioning yeah. when someone else is under-functioning. Beautiful. Um, you, you feel overly responsible mm-hmm. uh, for their feelings and their actions. And um, so, so that it ends up um, your over-investment in their desires, their choices, their wants, their outcomes mm-hmm. um, to the sacrifice of your own. Of your own. And yeah. where this becomes so confusing is, um, and, and I don't want to appear gender biased here, Laurel, and forgive me if I do, but I mean, women in general mm-hmm. in this particular Western society, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, are raised to be helpers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're actually praised. Um, we receive a lot of positive feedback yeah. for, you know, being functional and helpful. And oh, we're mm-hmm. so kind. Yeah. Um, the codependent kind of takes that, you know, too far. Yeah. And yeah. And, and there's a reason. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm kind of curious. What is would you add anything to my kind of like what I would call simplified, you know, capture of it? Um, you know, I think that was a good place for us to start. I, I feel like that was a nice, succinct way to describe it. And I think that, you know, one of the ways for us to to talk about this too and, and to address it or to help people like, you know, see it too, as not an all bad thing. Cause like, you know, you said, eventually it felt like it was wrecking your life or wrecking your relationships. Right. And so the beginning of codependency is how we learn actually to build relationships. It's, it's like, if you're predisposed to be the person that likes to help, that wants to be the people pleaser, that has the perfectionistic tendencies, you know, like some of us have those tendencies anyway. Right. And then if you get in situations in your, in your family, where that's how you get attention, that's how you get praise, that's how you get noticed, that's how you stay out of trouble, right? It starts to morph into a way to operate in the world and build relationships with people. And that's where it starts to be the debilitating codependent experience, you know, that it comes to be over time. Yeah, you know, that's that's actually an excellent point because, if you have that balanced, healthy kind of self-love, self-care in your life, but you give a lot just because you're a really giving person, you're just super kind and, uh, but, and it, but it doesn't interfere with your own self-care. Yeah. Um, then I think, I think you're right. There's, there's a, um, there's a, there's a, there's a role for each of those. I, I think, I think you're right. What what happens and why do we take that, you know, extra step to move us into that debilitating state? You know, what is it? What's in it for us? Right. Yeah, and, exactly. and and I think yeah. I think what's in it for us, you know, why do we get involved with other people's drama? You know, why do we give advice in relationships? Why are we over-functioning, over-giving? What, what, what are we getting out of it? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a couple things. Well, first of all, if, if we're coming from that, from a place of people-pleasing and approval-seeking yeah. so that we feel loved, important, needed, worthy, yeah. we're, then we're edging on codependency. 
Right. Um, right. And I think too, um, when we're when we're embarking on codependency, um, because we're shielding us from our greatest fear, and and uh, and I'm I'm gonna have to mention Ross Rosenberg on this because um, I learned from him pretty early that the greatest fear, if you get down to the raw fears of a codependent, mm -hmm. um, the biggest fear is rejection, abandonment, and being alone. Yeah, yeah. Absolute so, totally. lo yeah. loneliness. Yeah. And so what he said, and I'll never forget it, because I, I come from an alcoholic family, so I know what alcohol withdrawal is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's DTs, it's something physical, it's something chemical. It's I've seen too many people go through the withdrawal of an alcohol or, or substance abuse life. Yeah. He mentioned that the withdrawal symptom from codependency, when you actually start to try to recover from this disease, is loneliness. And yeah. that's what prevents us from trying to stop these codependent behaviors. We are so afraid to be alone. Yeah, yeah and to, um, no, to feel the loneliness, to feel the loneliness. Yeah, the, the feeling, the loneliness and the rejection is so raw. Yeah, and obviously, absolutely. you know, cause you're, you've been in this business for decades. Uh, well, yeah, and I also had my own codependence experience where I was afraid of re rejection and I was afraid of loneliness. And, you know, the, and the, the, the way that I got better partially was by feeling the loneliness and realizing it's not going to take me out. I can be lonely and I can still be okay. Right. I'll survive. You're, yeah. you're still going to, you're still going to be whole. Yeah. But no. you know, um, it's, it's a shaky experience, just like yeah. the alcohol goes through shakes when yeah. they go through DT. It's, yeah. it's a very shaky experience. They, scary, the, other, the, other, the other thing is that what's in it for us, right? Yeah. Um, and this is, this is just was so eye-opening for me. So what's in it for us is we get control. A lot of us were raised in chaotic environments yeah. um, where we felt like our childhood experience was out of control. So we have to get control. And that includes attempting to control the outcomes and desires of everybody around us. So we say what we think people want us to say. We do what we think people want us to do. We will go to any length to keep to get a certain from, reaction. That's right. To, to keep the to chaos keep down. Right. Yeah, yeah. Just to keep them yeah. from getting angry, feeling right. afraid, yeah. disappointed, going away, rejecting us. Well, yeah. it's it can be overt. It can be co covert. It can be whatever. But the, the bottom line is we're trying to control their needs, their desires, their outcomes. But um, what's so interesting and like any human behavior that's probably for the wrong coping strategy is that control ends up turning back on us yeah so we we end up yeah. getting controlled by and mentally controlled emotionally and mentally yeah uh by the people that we're trying to control so yeah. they end up passive aggression they end up disrespecting us they don't take us seriously they oh it's an endless string of being controlled well, so. and even even the our own behavior is out of control. And so that's controlling us in, in a weird kind of way, right? Because it's kind of like, 
uh, we don't we don't even have conscious control over how to respond the way that we authentically re respond. And so it's like this whole dynamic is 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 out of our control. It is controlling us, which is because uh, I remember yeah. I get the point where I realized that, you know, back in my 30s or whenever it was when I was really working on all this stuff and I felt like, oh, my God, I, I'm trying to control all this stuff, but it, it's it's controlling me like it's making me do things or th I'm thinking it's making me do things to keep everything harmonious and right. like, uh, who's playing who here? Right? Well, and, and it's so funny. I mean, you know, so many examples from all your clients and people and, and, and your experience with counseling. I mean, you know, some, some codependents lose their whole financial standing and well-being oh, no, because, know. you know, they yeah. use their retirement to pay for this, pay for that, for their kids, for this, for that person. And then they end up being controlled by yeah. the fact that yeah. they just lost their financial well-being um, or, that's, or that's physical. A great yeah, and I think that's a great example, Pixie. That's like a concrete example too of when we talk about how codependency, unarrested or untreated or un unworked with, right? Is how can it wreck your life? That's a great example of how it can escalate one step after another to right. where it can truly ruin, you know, where oh. different aspects of your life. And oh my gosh, you know, not only do you have ruined relationships, which is the classic consequence of codependency, but you have financial ruin mm -hmm. and and a case in point too is a physical ruin i mean mm -hmm. i'm i'm kind of a i'm kind of your example of somebody that's experienced ridiculous physical mm -hmm. ailments and you know you don't have to read too much of carol and mice to know that <laughs> you know emotional and mental and spiritual well-being are intricately linked to physical yeah. so yeah. um you know, sure, there's some physical mishaps out there, but I, I can't help but look at the string of my physical ailments, you know, hip trauma, three back surgeries, uh, weird diseases, epiglottitis that no adult gets in a million years, uh, breast cancer. It's, it's a string of just physical ailments that are, in my opinion, a consequence of, of just debilitating emotional and mental um, yeah. Sickness. Yeah. So. Yeah. I know. So Pixie, let's um, just go back to um, the Ross. Tell me the, 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 the author that you mentioned that you read. And if you have a title of his book, just for our listeners too, because I want to offer. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. He, he's a, uh, the, the book I'm probably going to highlight the most is called The Human Magnet Syndrome. Um, so Ross Rosenberg, he's a, been a clinical tech, you know, psychiatrist for uh, probably 30 years. Um, he's, a, he's a codependent himself. Mm -hmm. uh, so he has his own personal story, but he also has the, the wisdom that he's gained from many people mm -hmm. that he's helped over the years. So I would, I would recommend the human magnet syndrome. Yeah. And I always recommend um, to people um, that are first starting to look at codependency, um, which I think of as like a Bible book is Melody Beatty's uh, Code of yeah. No More, which is, I mean, you, you, I don't know how many people, you know, talk about that book because it's just a classic, beautiful book. And she also has a workbook that goes with that now too, that um, can be right. useful for folks. Yeah. She, she also has a daily, um, I, I think it's called, I, I forget the title of it, but you can get, um, you read, uh, 
you know, on a topic each morning. Nice. You know, whether it's uh, uh, just the whole series of, mm-hmm. of topics that are associated with uh, codependency. Yeah, yeah, great. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, what do we, let's say we think that we're codependent, you know, how do we start? How do we start working? How did you start working on it? What did you do? I know you were deep into your self-help journey and, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I was thinking about this. um, It all happens perfectly for each person at the perfect time. So, uh, you know, I wouldn't change a thing, but, um, you know, I ended up, I knew something was wrong with me. I just couldn't figure out what it was. And, and it, and I, I didn't really label it until I hit the absolute bottom in all of my, what I would call uh, intimate relationships, my family of origin, my mother, uh, my husband, uh, my children. And uh, it just got to the point where, um, as they say in kind of a 12-step program, whether it's alcoholic or narcotics or eating disorder, whatever, you just admit that everything is absolutely out of control and unmanageable. Your life is unmanageable. And so, you know, I hit that and we can talk about that more later because that's an important, that's an important point. Um, A lot of people have to hit that. Uh, But, you know, I, I actually um, wish, you know, that, that I had listened more probably to what people might have been saying to me to give me some red flags. Mm. Um, Mm. I have, um, so denial is one of the greatest weapons in the arsenal of a codependent. They they deny what they hear, they they deny what they think, they have no clue what they feel. So let me just take a second. I wanna talk, just chime in on denial for a second for everybody listening. So denial, you know, in terms of psychology, denial is a, it is a, it's it's really like a, um, a survival mechanism in our brain. And in true, like straight up denial experience, we literally don't remember what's happened. We deny the experience as if it never happened, we black it out. And so with trauma, people that have been through a lot of trauma, it's actually a a safety mechanism because the, the brain couldn't handle what was going on or the mind or the heart or whatever. And so it blocks it out. Now, denial goes from that extreme all the way to, you know, blatantly looking at somebody, you know, and you're wearing a red dress and you say, I don't have a red dress on, you know, I don't tell me I do. I don't, you know, where you're just literally denying it, but it's obviously the truth, right? So there's this whole, you can see it. And then there's this whole aspect where you can't see it. And more often than not, what we're talking about, right, is this whole, there's a big realm where if you want to see it, you can see it, (laughs) but you got to look but you've got to look at yourself. Right? Yeah. I mean, that, that really is fascinating uh, yeah. that the brain is, is so protective. Yeah. I, I mean, I do like what you said in that. Thank God for my denial. I, I probably wouldn't have survived. Right. Um, right. But at some point, at some point it has to come up from the basement, you yeah. know, it's just, it's gotta, it's gotta be at your table. Yeah. And um, if you're going to thrive, it has to. Right. Yeah, yeah, because because what happens is uh, you go numb. 
uh, Brene Brown said this best, you know, if you deny feelings that have happened in the past, then it's not just the bad feelings. Right. It's also the good feelings. That's you, right. you feel nothing. And mm -hmm. I remember many times in my life, it's like, God, I feel numb. I feel numb. I'd look mm -hmm. at a beautiful sunset or I, I see the, you know, the ice covered peaks in Glacier National Park. And it's, I felt numb. I, you know, you can't feel yeah. the good or, or yeah. the bad, but but anyway, yeah, we, we, uh, there, as always, there's a lot to be grateful for too. But, um, so what I've become, uh, really attuned to Laurel and, and, and maybe this, this is relevant for some of the listeners just to kind of start paying attention is, is just what we talk about and how we, yeah. how we're in conversations. Like, um, I mean, I, I can tell you generally, I, what I've understood now is, um, as a codependent, what I did is I avoided all conversation that was going to bring conflict or confrontation. Yep. It, it's too, too painful. Yep. Um, I And I heard this in Al-Anon a long time ago, and it's really true for me as a codependent too. Um, I, I used to not say what I meant. And uh, a lot of times I didn't mean what I said. Yeah. So yeah. there, there is a inauthenticity in in the voice yeah um uh I would say yes when I I I didn't want to say no or you know when I when I really did want to say no I I'd say yes because yeah. I I didn't want to hurt anybody I didn't want to disappoint anybody I would say no when I really wanted to say yes or I'd say no and then I'd follow it with these nauseating justifications, apologies, you know, when I should have just said, mm, no, sorry, I just can't do that. Yeah, I know. Oh, well. <laughs> but I, I was thinking about phrases and, and these are some of the phrases that, um, you know, I wrote some of them down because I'm, so I'm really attuned to these yeah. now, like yeah. when I'm in a conversation and you can hear somebody say, oh, I can do it faster and better. So I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's just the codependent self saying, I have an exaggerated view of my abilities and I'm a little bit arrogant, um, somewhat superior and nobody's as good as me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, I don't um, want to be bothered waiting for you to do it, you know? Yeah. Or, or you hear people say, I just can't even believe they didn't thank me. Yeah. And it's like, oh, there's the codependent self feeling very unappreciated and resentful. You yeah. know, that they yeah. voluntarily did something that nobody even asked them to do, yeah. Yeah. you know, and they were doing it to seek attention and appreciation. And my gosh, they didn't get thanked. Yeah. So, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of um, I know for me, resentment was like probably my primary emotion that I experienced early on, you know, because for that very reason, because I was frustrated and angry, but I couldn't express it directly because resentment is simply anger gone underground and being expressed in indirect kind of ways. Right. And right. so for anybody who's listening, you know, if you find that you have a lot of resentment towards people or towards things in, in life, you know, in life in general, you want to look at this, what we're talking about today and see how this might be playing into it. But resentment, you know, um, just poisons us. 
You know, it's like toxic. It's the anger gone inward that never gets truly expressed. Because if you're expressing it in indirect ways, it usually is unsatisfactory and it doesn't really serve us. And so we hold this emotion, this energy of anger inside, and it literally becomes like a poison in our system. So, um, you know, resentment is a great marker for your ability to express your anger or not express your anger and how you're doing it. And, you know, for me, that was a big journey, being able to say I was angry about something and, and, and do yeah. it well, you know, that was a big deal. Yeah. Feeling, feeling mistreated, feeling used, all those feelings. Um, there, there, there's an issue there with codependency and well, and disordered boundaries is, mm -hmm. is really, you're, you're doing too much. You know, another really big red flag, at least for me, was just sheer exhaustion. Just yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Overdoing and over functioning in a relationship brings on just debilitating fatigue. Right. And, to, yeah. and generally, if you have one codependent relationship, more than likely you have more than one. And so if you're over functioning in multiple relationships all the time, it's truly exhausting. You know, I know people that are truly burnt out and feeling overwhelmed all the time because they have over functioned for other people. Right. And this is often I think this is a classic um, uh, example of many people that I've worked with that have been in relationships with narcissistic people, you know, where they are over functioning or uh, functioning around the whole situation in ways that really burn them out. So, you know, to be able to look at these individual kind of markers are, I think, are really helpful for each of us, you know, as we're trying to discern are we codependent? Aren't we codependent? What can we do about it? So what can we do about it? Right? I mean, you yeah. And another one is feeling misunderstood. You yes. know, if, yeah. if you hear yourself saying, well, I don't want them to think that I said that. Well, I don't I don't want them to feel bad. Mm -hmm. You know, those are kind of that's another marker that you're you know, you're first of all inserting yourself at, on them. I mean, you can't control how they feel mm -hmm. and and what they're thinking and nor should you. But it's none of your business, really. You know, as as uh, Terry Cole says, who is a phenomenal uh, uh, counselor on uh, codependency, she says, you know, it's just not my side of the street. That's that's not on my side of the street. Um, but if you if you start doing that, uh, you get anxious. Um, anxiety is a really uh, um, common red flag for yeah. codependency because you you feel like you're getting misunderstood you're feeling like you're not in control you don't understand why they're not doing what you think they should be doing and it causes a lot of angst inside yeah so. yeah and anxiety is so prevalent you know in our culture now for so many reasons but some of them are as you know partly because we are dealing with a lot of these issues and they're much more out in the open now and we're trying to figure out how to how to work with them all and it's hard it's this is not you know simple or straightforward but you and i are both have been you know recovering from this this uh pattern in our life for a while and i you know we both have a, i think a lot of good have developed some really good new patterns so let's talk a little bit about um how how to stop you know some of it so the beginning is awareness right we talk about we're talking about denial right to be able to look at 
you know, Pixie just gave a whole great list of some of the phrases that you might be saying or things, the ways that you might be speaking or, or showing up, you know, so beginning to like do some self-reflection, you know, write down in some of the, if you question, you know, whether you're in a healthy relationship with somebody, it's time to really do some self-reflection and some inventory taking on that. Right. I mean, I, I, um, I started with the pause, Laurel. Um, pause is so important. Yeah. And, um, you know, try to put three, five, seven seconds Mm -hmm. in between you and whatever just happened. And, and, um, sometimes, uh, sometimes with, with people that can strongly trigger codependent feelings uh I even put up a stop sign Mm -hmm. uh in my head yeah and just you know this this is not serving my greatest good right now um I I, I tried to give get a graceful exit Mm -hmm. to go and give myself some time to process something before I react so a pause slash stop yep. is is a uh, is a really really good start. Yeah, and I think listening to some of the language that you use, you know, some of the phrases that you talked about. One of the things that I remember doing early on was I was always thinking about. I was always using the term "I should do this," "I should do that," because I was so caught up in the rule book that I had developed about how to manage my life around everybody and do the right thing all the time. And so there was this endless list of shoulds. And so, you know, I started literally kind of attaching a bell in my head whenever the word should come out of my my mouth, you know, I'd hear this kind of ding, ding, ding. And I'd be like, wait a minute, hold on. And I'd rephrase the whole thing. And what you're doing when you're doing that is you're starting to take some of your power back. You know, you're starting to really think through consciously, how can you respond and and speak differently and more in alignment with how you want to show up, you know, which is hopefully right. confident, you know, less attached to what the other person's going to say or do, you know, and, and, you know, I want to say for anybody listening, if you're in a situation where you behave certain ways because you're afraid of somebody's violent behavior towards you, that's, that's, we're talking about a whole nother thing, you know, I mean, you're, it could be a codependent relationship, but you also are in an unsafe situation and that requires even more help than what we're talking about here on our. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a whole different toolkit. Um, Some, some of that is uh, requiring the help and assistance from some, some professionals in the different fields, but you know, uh, I would say um, the the other uh, the other key thing for me, Laurel, mm-hmm. uh, was to start to actually ask myself, what is it that I feel? That that's hard for a codependent to do, but it's for me, it's the start of true healing because mm-hmm. you have to know how you feel, mm-hmm. and then you can figure out what you want, that desire, that need. Yeah. Codependents have a hard time knowing what they feel. And mm-hmm. they also have a hard time knowing what they want and desire. That was going to be so that's, 
Yeah. Those are no, those are two two things to yeah. kind of step through. How do I feel right now? Yeah. What do I want right now? What do I desire? And then the big one, which codependents have a really hard time with, asking for what you want. Yeah. Because you're you're worthy enough and you all deserve it. Yeah. It yeah. is about you. Yeah. And and um once once a codependent realizes that that's not selfish, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have to feel guilty asking for what I want. Yeah. I actually am worthy of this. Um the people in your life, they're actually the winners. They end up benefiting when you get get healthy like that. I know, so true, so true. I love that. The other thing, Laurel, I I was going to mention that that helped me, the pause, the stop, the feeling out what I'm feeling, the desires, being able to ask for it. The other, I think, key tool for recovery is to figure out boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do too. I do too. Pixie, let's come back and do a whole nother uh, po- podcast episode on boundaries because I feel like that's such a big topic and I feel like it could be a kind of a part two to this one for, for folks. Oh, I I agree. I, I think it's a codependency is so related to disordered boundaries. Um, and I think that that tool is key I do to... Too. Yeah, I do too. To recovery. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so let's see, in wrapping up our, our talk today, anything else? How do we want to close? How do, what, what is kind of like your final, like, uh, you know, I was thinking about how we started where, you know, it's okay if you're codependent. (laughs) This is, you know, yeah. yeah. Right. You know, I, I gotta tell you, that's so funny. Cause that's what came up when, when you said, you know, what do we want to leave people with? I, I think what I want to leave people with is that, um, when I finally admitted that I was a codependent and, and I mean, on my knees screaming it out to, you know, the, the universe, mm-hmm. um, you would have thought that I would have been scared. Um, it was the most amazing sense of relief. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was. It was. I I felt like I was part of a group. Um, I, I there's a lot of people out there that are going through this, um, and a lot of help out there, mm-hmm. and it just felt good to me to know that. It just wasn't me. I'm not the only one that was defective and that um, that I could heal. And the other the other thing that I would tell people is. You are not a bad person. In fact, um, Melody Beattie said this and I actually felt like, oh, that's me. Um, She said that codependents are just some of the kindest, most generous hardworking, disciplined people on earth. I mean, they are the perfect person for a boss. You know, they get things done. They professional listeners. They, they, you know, they, they're there for people. It's just that we took it too far and we lost ourselves, you know, in the process, but in general, codependents are incredible people. Um, and then I guess the third 
I guess the third thing that I would say, Laurel, is, um, you know, it's a lot of work to recover. It it never goes away. Yep. Um, but the work is fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Um, and you end up once you kind of get through those dysfunctional coping strategies and you work through that unresolved shame and worthlessness and all that, you come out, you come out so fulfilled and at peace. And it's, it's a, it's a beautiful ending uh, to the work. Yeah. And so I love that because that is, that is why we call this beautiful work, beautiful life, because really the work as hard as it can be sometimes, as painful as it can be sometimes, the, the, it, it has a real beauty to it. And ultimately it does lead to a more beautiful life. You really feel more fulfilled, more whole, more capable, and, and usually now newly surrounded by some people that are truly supporting you, you know? And Oh, yeah. Anyways, you, you, know? you start to attract healthy relationships, yeah. which... Um, you know, for me was that was a big deal. That that's the gift. That's the gift. And um yeah, you become you become healthy and you start to attract healthy people. Yeah. Yeah. Well thank you, Pixie, for taking the time and sharing with me and sharing our listeners. And um let's come back and do one on um, boundaries, okay? I think that's a great idea. I enjoyed it, Laurel. Great seeing you. Thanks, me too. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us here at Beautiful Work, Beautiful Life, the podcast. We welcome questions from you, our listeners. Feel free to send one along. If you enjoyed the podcast, the best compliment we receive is when you share the podcast with a friend. Thanks for being with us to elevate the conversation and open up new pathways for all of us.